And now, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and IOMGeek.com present The History of Marvel Comics. Excelsior! April 1941. Daring Mystery Comics number 7. This issue introduced Elton Morrow, who became the superheroic Blue Diamond with diamond-hard skin. Bill Everett, creator of the Submariner, came up with another seagoing superhero, Lieutenant Peter Noble, alias The Finn. April 1942. Recognizing the potential market for humor comics, timely publisher Martin Goodman launched Joker Comics, which as its name suggested, featured only comedy. The first issue marked the debut of the popular series Powerhouse Pepper by legendary cartoonist Basil Wolverton. Powerhouse Pepper was a competent boxer, if slightly dim-witted. This issue also featured Marmaduke Snood Jr., alias Stuperman, whom writer-artist Harry Douglas had created in Daring Mystery Comics number 6 back in September 1940. Stuperman was one of the first superhero parody series preceding Marvel's Not Brand Deck by over two decades. Daring Mystery Comics would become the humor series Comedy Corner with issue number 9. April 1948. By the late 1940s, crime comics had become a hot trend and were flying off newsstands everywhere. Though invariably condemning crime, the new wave of comics frequently made criminals the protagonists and, to add to the excitement, many of the stories were supposedly based on real-life cases. In 1948, Timely launched two new crime comics— Crime Fighters in April 1948 and Lawbreakers Always Lose also in the spring of 1948. still in a crisis and i'm still aaron <laughs> and this is still paul and apparently we've quarantined tim and wayne today well and you know we 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 have identified that they, their viral load is such that uh you know we didn't want it coming across we didn't want to get you know a virus you know Correct. on on our on our computers or in our podcast so you know those guys you know I believe they're quarantined. They're bunking in together, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. So, so I'm pretty if, sure only one yeah. will survive. Well, and <laughs> if you if you sign up to our fee paying member site, you can see the live cam of them, you know, sharing this uh, their 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 quarantine space. You know, it's kind of like Big Brother, but right. with but, but 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 without all of the uh, you know interesting things to look at. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll cancel my subscription. it's a lot of wayne and tim bickering with one another uh bickering about comic shops which we'll talk about here we won't talk about wayne and tim um i mean i'm sure we will but we'll talk about our the actually i'm gonna jump the outline aaron i'm gonna do things a little bit out of order oh you know know. here we are it's it's just two of us just we could have had this. We could have had a discussion about adjusting the outline. I spent a whole lot of time making you make that outline, Paul. <laughs> Not really. And, I mean, but... I literally just sent it out like <laughs> two minutes ago. Um, Paul, I... we, we need to we need to provide the illusion that there's a lot of craft involved in this <laughs> oh, show. Oh yes, oh yes. We talked about it all week. Um, right. Actually, t- this this week did take a surprising bit of uh, preparation because uh, you know we had to basically find stuff to read and talk about because one of the things that I actually wanted to talk about is, um, you know, we recorded last Saturday and, you know, one of the things we, that just came out while we were podcasting last Saturday was I think Marvel 
or one of the one of the main the big distributors actually is doing some type of um relief fund for comic shops so you know good on them um but in this past week one one of the things that that's kind of surprising is there was nothing new in relation to the distribution news you know it's been all quiet you know at least Last week, there was a lot of, oh, we're going to try. We're going to try to find an alternative. We don't know. You know, we're still working on it. In this past week, nothing. Like, total silence. Not, hey, we're working on it. Hey, we're trying to figure things out. Hey, you know, we've got a couple of methods we're going to work on. Nothing from the, the, the larger comic companies as it relates to distribution. Um, so I don't know if they're working on it and just being really quiet about it or if it's just all quiet on the on the Western front. Yeah. You know, I, I I said it last week, and I'll continue to channel my inner Ferengi, uh, that opportunity is, is where it's at in business. Somebody's going to figure this out. Somebody is going to uh, figure out distribution in comics during this crisis, and it's it's going to be huge. Uh, I, I just I, – I feel like there is – I feel like there is such an opportunity here to fix this um, that the answer can't be doing nothing. That's the thing that just blows yeah. my mind. Well, is we're going to talk about uh, – actually, I guess these first two topics kind of roll into each other because yeah. n- now you sound like Todd McFarlane. Um, <laughs> no, Todd McFarlane sounds like me. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Todd McFarlane had an interview this week. Um, you know, he, he is promoting the Kickstarter for the new Spawn uh, action figure. And we'll talk about that here specifically in a minute. Um, but, you know, he, he's promoting his Kickstarter and they had an interview with him. And I don't recall the exact website that it came out on. Um, but it, it was... Him saying the same thing that you're saying, we can't just not do anything. Yeah. Um, because in his words, which I, th- I thought was very astute, you know, addicts will go. Uh, here, here's what I know about addicts: the longer they go sober, the easier it is to stay sober. Right. Uh, the right. interview and was I with mean, Forbes, by the way. Yeah. And the he is absolutely right. You know, and I, I had shared, you know, previously, uh, specifically last week that, you know, TiVo's got this great model where they don't want you to be without their service. So if your machine dies today, your new machine will be on your front porch tomorrow. Um, and, and I've always been amazed by that as someone who has been through several TiVo machines over the years. Uh, I am always amazed at how quickly they can replace it. Comics should be the same way because, you know, once you figure out that you don't that you can live without the service, maybe you don't come back. Plus, there are other and Todd McFarlane makes this point very uh, clearly in the article. um, There are other services out there who are eager to have that weekly appointment shopping. They want your purchases. You know, digital media uh, could be games could be film, you know, geeks are consumers and, you know, you have geeks such as myself spending anywhere between 30 and $50 a week in comics. There are a lot of companies out there who would like to have that purchase. Yeah. Your you know, that's a lot of money. Your movie companies, yeah. your streaming services. And I will tell you, and this is coming from someone who is a lifelong comics fan, someone who has yeah. been on a comic podcast for 10 years and I say this without hesitation, comics are very easy to quit. Yeah. Um, at least in my opinion. I, I, would, I've done it I find it very easy <laughs> to just step yeah. away. Um, especially because I know that I can come back in five years and not a goddamn thing will have changed. You know, or ten yeah. years and not a thing will have changed. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I did it uh, back in my 20s. And I did it again in my 30s. Uh, I mean, we all do when when money we was time. Or when we get yeah, exactly, broke, you know, <laughs> exactly. No, ex- exactly. You know, I w- when I was getting ready to get married the first time, and when I got divorced, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I won't say divorced the first time. No, no. but you know, uh, th- those were the two times that that I quit comics because you know I needed to, to make the, those financial commitments elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right; it wasn't that hard getting back in. Yeah. Um, I I, I, I think. If I were a comic publisher, I would figure this stuff out quick. And you're, you're probably not going to have a solution that makes everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, but McFarlane, at the end of the day, sorry, you know, the, the publisher and the retailer mm-hmm. do not have that many shared goals. 
And that's the thing that, that I think everybody in this needs to realize is that, yeah, the retailer is important to the publisher. But at the end of the day, the publisher's job is to create content and get it out there. If the retailer can't, if the brick and mortar retailer can't do it, they got to figure out something else. You don't just say, okay, let's sit back and let's make sure that the brick and mortar is, t- is taken care of because there are other avenues. You need to be able to, to serve that customer because at the end of the day, the customer might not be there when you're done. Yeah, comics are a luxury item. Any any luxury mm-hmm. item, whether it's comics or toys or it's yeah, statues. it's not an essential service, exactly. right? Exactly. The it, longer it, using you get, today's language, yeah, yeah. It's, it's using today's same. language, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just going to continue talking over each other. That's now. okay. We're excited. Um, <laughs> the longer you go without them, the more you realize, huh? Okay, well, you know, I mean, I guess I really don't need it. Um, yeah. And comics are very much the same way. And you know, McFarland puts out the 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 idea which i find both interesting and hypocritical yeah um of saying i think us big three which i didn't realize image was number three again but i guess it is i thought it was idw but i guess idw has fallen um off the off the top three uh dc marvel and image should get together first of all he proposes publish your top 10 books still digitally Find a way to get them into the hands of customers. Give them out for free, whatever. He said, but at least the top 10, get them out there. I find that a great idea. I also find it hypocritical because Image has announced no such thing. And he's the president yeah. of Image Comics. Um, he yeah, also I mean, proposes... It, Sorry, go ahead. He's this is That's what I found interesting as well in that article is that here is Todd McFarlane saying, here's what the big three should do. And by his own definition, he's part of that big three. Why isn't he doing it? Yeah. Why hasn't he said, here's here's the plan, let's go? Well, and his I don't idea to get folks back in is is great. Okay, we're going to hurt for business. Let's let's publish some free stuff right now. And the way to get people back in comic shops or the way to get people back in is cross-company crossovers. or well, yep. you know, Which is yeah. what we've said. Yeah, perfect yeah. idea. Fucking yeah. do it, man. Like, yeah. and here's the thing: I don't know when this article was actually, when this interview actually happened. It may have happened, you know, weeks ago, but it it right. seems really recent. So, yes. it, and and like I said at the beginning of the show, there has been no news on any of these fronts in the past week. So, like, come on, let's 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 get the ball rolling on some of these great ideas because they are great ideas, and I, I find it unusual because you know Todd McFarlane. I I will say Todd McFarlane I found very inspirational as a businessman in the 90s and early 2000s but in the past 15 20 years I haven't seen the same business savvy out of him that I used to. Now that being said, he he is making smart decisions with his toy company, but as a comic fan as you know as, as in the other areas of his business I just haven't really been following him. But I mean at the same time he's also got the toy rights to Rick and Morty and DC Comics and stuff. So the toy company that he runs is doing great. Um, but you know, that, that actually does lead to this Kickstarter thing that he's doing right now. Um, you know, he The reason for this interview is he has a Kickstarter to do a revamped, whatever, version of the first Spawn toy um, you know, that came out in the, the, the early 90s, early to mid 90s. And, um, and the reason he went with Kickstarter is he said, hey... You know, my it, for for this type of niche toy, there is no there is no real market for it anymore. You know, there's there's no place. You know, toys, to, you used to be able to find McFarlane toys in Toys R Us, no problem. You know, um, you know, the, to, of course, comic shops, but you pay the comic shop price. But you right. know, it's really unless you're one of unless it's one of those widely distributed things, like I said, Rick and Morty. DC Comics, mm-hmm. you're not going to find it in your random Walmart or Target, and even if you are, it's lucky because they suck at toy, um, <laughs> you know, distribution. As, so, as someone who is who does love looking at the toy aisles and things like that, I will tell you, I see pictures and I'm like uh, of other people's t- targets, and I'm like, my target, I'm lucky if I ever see anything in there that's not five years old, you know. Um, so he, he he put this toy on the uh, on Kickstarter with like I think a hundred thousand dollar goal, and it's already over yeah. a million. Um, yeah. And this that's within two days. Yeah. So there's a market for it. I contributed. And, and I'll tell you, I contributed at the $140 level. Um, wow. That, that includes all three wow. figures. I know. But honestly, I didn't do it for myself. Luckily, my dad doesn't listen to the podcast. I did it for my dad. Yeah. Um, who has, you know, he, he my dad is a huge uh, Spawn toy collector. He, he, his office 
looks very similar to mine, except it's all filled with McFarlane toys. Um, gotcha. And so I went for the $140 package, which includes all three figures, all three versions of the figure, um, signed by Todd McFarlane. So I'm like, you know what? And, and it's due in November. Perfect timing for a Christmas gift. So that's why I went with that um, option. Because, I mean, I, I don't really have any spawn in my collection. There's no real reason for me to have it. But I thought it would be a very nice gift. Cool. Well, you know, I'm not a Spawn guy. I've never much cared for the character. Uh, you know, I certainly didn't care for the HBO uh, series. But uh, I, I'm interested to see if it still has life. Because, you know, he's talking about doing a, a – still talking about doing a Spawn feature film with him as director. And uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious about that. He's got Jamie Foxx attached to it. Yeah, Jeremy uh, Renner was and, at one point. I don't know if he still is. Yeah. Yeah, and some other notables. You know, it, a, a large part of this article is dedicated to uh, him talking about a strategy because he doesn't want to sell the rights unless he gets to direct, which, you know, he acknowledges is the reason why this thing hasn't sold yet because he would be a first time film director. Uh, but I, I was interested in that. I, I you know, I, I often find myself on the opposite side of Todd McFarlane. Uh, but you know, he's a polarizing figure in, uh, in the business and, you know, he's going to be somebody who has strong opinions and, uh, you know, I, th I think it's fair that, that I have been on the opposite side, but he and I think very much the same about, uh, the distribution problem and what the distribution solution should be. I very much feel like, uh, you know, crossover, a big, big cross company crossovers is the way to get people back in stores and uh and to kick off the business again um I, I think that that that's a smart decision i think another smart decision moving away from todd mcfarlane is retailers have got to think differently about how they uh do their business in these uh these crisis times you know i've been noticing for instance on comiXology Comixology has just had a fuck ton of stuff on sale. For instance, this morning I woke up to see all of those new Jonathan Hickman X Men comics are on sale. Uh, you know, these oh, are things don't that tell have me come that, out. Aaron. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. Every single one of them are on sale. I uh, I just spent uh, twenty some dollars in you know buying the books that I hate quitted because I'm like, eh, I'm kind of curious about those. I just don't want to pay full price. But now that they're anywhere between eighty four cents and a dollar sixty nine. Uh, you know, for those of us who have Comixology Unlimited, uh, it's uh, you know it's a, it's a, a fairly decent price to to jump back in. And hey, got a lot of time to read comics yeah. right now. Hey, those old uh, Flash Gordon and Mandrake the Magician comics are on sale too. Oh, are they? Yeah, for, are they? Uh, the the uh, from Titan Classic Comics. Yeah, sale. I, I mean they're still not cheap, but still pretty cool. You know, I uh, I have been watching the sales because these the the publishers are putting a lot of things on sale in Comicsology right now, and this the sales are just coming fast and furious because the publishers understand that this is a a revenue stream that they can have right now, uh, and you know something's better than nothing. Uh, one of the things that I, I came across, I, I follow a lot of comic shops on Instagram, and one of the comic shops I follow is Jetpack Comics. And I believe they're out of New Hampshire, I want to say. Uh, they're somewhere back east. Mm -hmm. But they have been, you know, you know how you go into a comic shop and they'll have bundles of back issue comics and they sell them by the bundle. Well, they had a video uh, twice this week of different bundles that they have. And they're like, you know, call us, you know, uh, call us, email us if you're interested. And, you know, I don't buy print comics anymore. But they had the X-Men Micronauts uh uh, crossover the full you know four issue miniseries and i immediately shot them a dm and i'm like hey you still got that because if so i want it and i bought it it's in the mail it's on its way to me that's awesome i i think that this th I, and I just provide this as an example you know retailers aren't just new issue comics they're not just about you know wednesday new comic book day they sell a bunch of other stuff I really admire Jetpack Comics has had all kinds of stuff. In fact, at the bottom of their email in their signature line, they have a whole thing like if you want to help out the comic shop, buy a gift card. And it tells you about gift cards Buy, you know, you can buy and they've got like stuff that they're overstocked on. So they're trying to move their overstock and they just got a list of their overstock items at the bottom of their signature. And I'm like, 
okay, throw a couple of those in. I don't jetpack comics isn't around the corner from me. It's all the way up on the East coast. It's closer to you than it is to me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I spent, you know, uh, a, a little bit of, a little bit of money with them this week because number one, they had something that I've been looking for. And number two, uh, they made it easy for me to do that. I mean, I was just like, this is something that retailers should be doing right now. If I was a retailer, I would be doing something like this. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and having conversations like this, like talk to your fellow comic fans. I did not know about that X-Men sale. Um, I'm going to pick up every issue of X-Men that's on sale. <laughs> That's what um, I've already done. Did I you also pick got up... every issue of Excalibur. Okay, you got Excalibur. I, I was thinking New Mutants because that one is also written by Hickman. Yeah, I was I was looking at that. I may go back there and pick that up. I did yeah. not pick it up. So, morning. you know, as of the time of this recording, the first five issues are 99 cents each, and every issue thereafter yeah. is $1.99, including the most recent Which issue. is half. Yeah. I literally just bought that yeah. fucking X-Men issue nine, excuse my language, uh-huh. um, you know, for four huh. bucks. Yeah, <laughs> two weeks ago, <laughs> yeah. before this happened, um, I feel your pain. And I feel your pain. Bucks. But you know what? <laughs> good, good. Get people buying it. You know, I I will certainly be purchasing, uh, you know, those comics. And I think it's a great idea. And I think uh, one of the things that I find interesting, which I did not notice um, earlier, and uh, I meant to mention last week, is X Men. Um, Marvel is publishing monthly trade paperbacks of the um dawn of x books yeah yeah dawn of 10 books so like you know we 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 were we we have been very frustrated right with like ah god damn it you know um it sucks that something happened in in x-men or x-force and i'm not reading x-force and that's why we hate quit the book right but for eleven dollars a month which is cheaper than the cost of buying the issues individually you can get each one of that month's books collected um, in these Dawn of X volumes. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll have X-Men, X-Force, Marauders, Excalibur, Fallen Angels, and New Mutants. Now, that being said, it's cheaper right now on this Comixology sale. Right. But outside of that, you can get that month's issues. And I think that's smart. Honestly, I, I think that that is a way I would actually read them as, as a monthly mm-hmm. collection. Um, well. You certainly would get everything in the story as opposed to what happened to us. Why Why did this character who's primary to this book get killed off in a book I don't read? Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know. Now he's, he's back now, so no yeah. big deal. But. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, so for you guys listening to the podcast, uh, you know, some, I, I would say a decent amount of our listeners, all 12 of them, um, you know, are, uh, are still physical comics readers. How are you supporting your local comic shop or are you supporting your local yeah. comic shop you know i think um i think my local comic shop is still offering shipping uh you know but there's not much to ship in in the case of new comics right, right? uh you know so are, are you well, still I, able to do anything and i still you know i i i I really don't do much business with brick and mortar anymore, but Zeus comics who I'm a big fan of. And, you know, uh, the only reason that I, that I don't spend more time there is that, you know, it's 20 miles away from my home, but they're still doing curbside. They're still doing shipping. They're doing, you know, next day delivery. Uh, if you're, you know, in, in town, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of the comic shops who can are trying to be as innovative as they can, um, but you know, I do think having a larger social media presence is, is something, uh, is something that, that is, is, is a, a good strategy just to keep your, your, uh, customers engaged. But yeah, let us know what's going on with you. Uh, shout out, uh, to us, hit us on the, uh, ideology of madness hotline. We'll share that number at the, at the end of the show, but you know, let us know. We we're really curious to know what, uh, how you're dealing with the COVID-19 crisis in relation to your comic book habit. Yeah. And we'll post on our social media channels, you know, IOM geek on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, um, out when we release this episode and kind of give everyone an opportunity to shout out their local comic shop and what their local comic shops are doing. And we'll talk about it next week on the show. You know, we, Absolutely. we can go through those those comic shops that we know are doing stuff, just like Jetpack Comics or Zeus Comics. Um, you know, we'll give them a shout out on the show. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. I got a surprise in the mail yesterday. Was it a dildo? <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. Just to be, just to put that out there. <laughs> 
It was not, and we'll come back to that. <laughs> uh, no, I got a uh, a loot crate what? for the <laughs> the sci-fi loot crate uh, for Farscape on my porch yesterday. Didn't you cancel that? I did, and let me tell Didn't you, you how. Rage I quit that. <laughs> I did. I did. I hate quitted it. Uh, I uh, I I opened up my door and I, I looked down and saw the package, and I mean. You should have heard me. I was, God damn it. <laughs> and so I immediately had to go pull up my, my Amex account to make sure I didn't get charged for it. And there was a charge and then a reversal. So I, 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 I ultimately was not charged for this. So I have a, uh, a Farscape Loot Crate box. And I bring it up because uh, I am not a fan of Farscape. And so uh, while this is a lovely box and i will say that uh, the items in it are, are are rather high quality uh i am not a farscape fan so i am going to be hosting a giveaway on uh our twitter feed and on our instagram feed mm-hmm. and that's at iom geek um so look for that later this week um it'll be a contest and uh you know uh, it'll be pretty easy to qualify to win so just be on the lookout for that this week because while i am not a fan of farscape i know that a lot of our listeners are all right that's exciting yeah. very exciting well you know we're we're, we're we're finding things to talk about with you guys and you know things that are honestly kind of easy for you to get um you know both in in the realm of movies and the realm of comic books we've, we've got a couple of comic books to talk about this week um but last week we were talking about streaming services and and stuff out there i think we were talking about um we were talking about wonder woman bloodlines and i came across um just in our conversation batman versus dracula which i remember rather fondly remembered rather fondly and uh you know in in the conversation i said hey maybe that's why wayne's not on the show i'm like hey you know i have an interest in 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 watching that again would anyone like to watch it you know with me virtually and uh aaron right kindly volunteered to give it a shot you know i have wanted to watch this for years I, i i think i mentioned last week that i had bought it i'd bought a used disc at a blockbuster years and years ago and the disc didn't work when i got it home and so uh, I've never gotten around to seeing it. Oh, those so, used blockbuster discs. <laughs> those are yeah, the best. Yeah, we're the worst, right? <laughs> they were just the worst. You're rolling the dice if that thing would ever work in your machine. But, uh, uh, but it's I, relatively I watched cheap it. on Amazon. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Aaron. But you know, yeah, it's I think I rented it. Yeah, I think I rented it for three bucks last night. Yeah, and it's ten dollars. Ten dollars to purchase. Um, I uh, I rather enjoyed it. I number one, I was startled. I mean, how old is this this film, Paul? It's almost ten years old, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think that this this film was out when you and I started the podcast. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, I was surprised at how high quality the animation is. Still, I, right? I, 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 I yeah. I, I, for instance, the animation in this film was many times better than the Wonder Woman Bloodlines uh, animation that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was I was amazed and impressed at how how high quality the uh, the animation was. Uh, you know, one of one of my big critiques about these you know big DC animated features is they don't use the space within the environment. You know that you don't have a sense of the claustrophobia that that the uh, characters are experiencing or the enormity of the space that they're in. Um, you know, a lot of times in in those uh, the more current features, um, you you have a sense that that the that the staging is static, right? Uh, it's almost like color forms <laughs> on a screen versus people living and experiencing uh, their environment. I loved the animation on this show. Um, and Aaron, I was reminded. I just want to clarify, uh, just yeah. you know, for the rest of our conversation to to inform this, two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, fifteen wow, years ago. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize, but wow. And and, and yet the the animation holds up. It does. I I, I was really I, I, an interesting animation, and you know changes POV all the time. You know, it there is a scene where Batman's gearing up, you know, to uh, you know, to go to the big boss fight with Count Dracula, and I I, I thought that it was just really well done. 
Um, I would say that the animation is as good as the animation of Red Sun, the recent DC feature that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and I loved Red Sun. I mean, I, I think this is really good. I think where this where this movie falls short, uh, and it's the same complaint that I had with the Batman animated series, is that I just don't think that the voice talent is good enough, um, particularly uh, for Penguin. Yeah, um, I agree. The penguin was I, was you know I had forgotten. The penguin is is grown worthy. Um, yeah, in this film, and a lot of that's the script, I think. Yeah, um, but boy, boy, he's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> but you know, I like I never really agreed with their personification of you know wild man Joker. You know, you know barefoot wild man Joker just really doesn't do it for me. He's not. Uh, I, I think that that pulling him back a little bit, it makes him a, f- a lot more creepy than the Joker that they had in the Batman. Uh, I think the guy who plays the Batman, Reno Romano, I think that's his name, yeah. uh, is is actually rather serviceable at that. He just doesn't bring the same gravitas as you know other uh, Batman actors have. Yeah. Um, but overall... I really enjoyed this, and I'm glad that I had an opportunity to come back and see it. I, th- I thought that it's a good story. It's an interesting story. You really know how it's going to end going into it, so mm-hmm. it's not a huge surprise. But it's a lot of fun, and it really does bring me back that I think a live-action Batman versus Dracula feature could be very successful. Yeah. I, you know, I think the film, one of the things I enjoy about the film, and it's it, it, I will say one thing I forgot about the film is that it's a bit bipolar. In that you have these grown-worthy, kid-friendly puns that the uh-huh. Penguin continuously makes in right. one scene. And in the next scene, you have Joker licking the blood off the floor in a, you uh-huh. know, in a blood bank. Um, yeah. And so it's very bipolar that way. Like, wow, okay. Um, you know, it, 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 it is surprisingly uh, violent in some aspects. Um, you know, and, and then surprisingly kid-friendly in others but yeah. you know overall i i do really enjoy the film i actually you know i like the interpretation of dracula i like the final battle with i like when batman punches dracula's head off at the end yeah <laughs> well and and there there is a really nice scene and again it goes back to the strength of the animation where you know you un, you understand early on in the film how batman's going to defeat dracula because you know uh he has created a, you know, Wayne Technologies has created a machine that can store solar power as actual sunlight. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, I know where this is going. <laughs> but there's a great scene where he deploys that, and Batman is standing in front of Dracula with the sun machine behind him. And so Dracula is in the shadow of the bat, which I think is a great uh, visual, right? Yeah. You know, give it, yeah, I mean, it's just a great visual. Um, and then, you know, and so that's the only thing keeping Dracula from disintegrating. And, you know, Batman, you know, finally, you know, leaps up and in, into the air to, you know, fully uh, illuminate Dracula. And it's just a great scene. I loved how that was blocked. I liked how it was animated. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So even though there are so many things about this, this, the storytelling in this movie that are predictable, the way they execute them, uh, was really artfully done. And I, I recommend this despite my dislike of penguin, uh, I think this movie is really watchable and rewatchable. I'm a little bit regretful that I rented it instead of buying it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Batman versus Dracula, definitely worth checking out. If it intrigues you to check out the Batman animated series, you know, the, the enemy, the Batman, let me clarify. That's what it was called. Um, Correct. The first yeah. season's a little bit rough. Once uh, Robin kicks in and Batgirl, kick, actually, I think Batgirl comes in before Robin, but once those characters kick in, um, it actually is surprisingly good. Uh, and know. I never got past the first season because of, because of it was a little hard to watch. Like there was nobody in Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The streets of Gotham were empty all the time. Yeah. Um, it does get surprisingly good. And then they kick in with the justice league um, towards, I think season four or five, they introduce uh, Superman who is voiced by 
Tim Daly, if I remember correctly, and Clancy Brown voices Lex Luthor. Um, oh, nice. You know, in, in, a, in a surprisingly good two-parter. Uh, they have a Batman Superman two-parter, I think, at the beginning of season four. Um, and it's all available on the DC Universe app. Not that, you know, they're not sponsored by us. In fact, I'm pissed that I forgot to cancel before my second <laughs> year. Um, yeah. But worth worth visiting as, as a television show, especially if you have nothing to watch right now. Well, hey, while we're on the subject of what we're watching, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really want to point this out to our listeners. Uh, the... 1970s movie uh, series Lone Wolf and Cub that was made uh, by uh, Janus Films in Japan is currently on Turner Classic Movies, yeah. uh, and the they're not re-airing them. So if you miss them when they air on Turner Classic Movies, the only way to see them is on the Turner Classic Movies streaming app. Uh, so if you've got a subs- if Turner Classic Movies is bundled into your satellite or cable package, you have access to that. Go out and see it. I had never seen these movies before, and I watched the first one, Sword of Vengeance, this week. And they're short. They're they're like TV movies, uh, so they're short, like an hour and ten minutes or something. And man, that's fantastic. Uh, you can see what an influence these were on filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino. Uh, you know, there, there is so much in the, uh, first film that looks that you can tell influenced Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill, uh, a terrific film, great storytelling and really sort of before it's time, some of the images in the film are just so striking. I was like, wow, I, I can't get over this. Uh, I was, and legit, I was expecting them to be in black and white. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I was su- I was surprised that they had been HD restored, uh, and that they are they were originally shot in color. I for some, I guess because the co- the manga that it's based on or manga, sorry, I always get that wrong, uh, is based on is uh, I, as I recall is uh, monochromatic. Um, I expected the film to be such as well, but it's not. It's in uh, in breathing living color, and uh, <laughs> in, I got to tell you, in, the, the, glorious the, Technicolor. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's important because there is a whole lot of blood. And I mean, it's a lot of the Monty Python-esque, you know, somebody gets their arm cut off and the big spray of of fountains of blood. There's a lot of that. Hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm going to watch the rest of the series. Please note, you are time limited. Like, for instance, the first two films are only streaming throughout, I think, the first week of May. So I think they're giving 30 days to stream. And I think the reason for that is is that Turner doesn't own these films, so it's not in their ongoing slate of, uh, you know, their their regular archive that you can just access anytime. So, you know, if you want to see it, your time is limited. Jump, own it. Well, now I'm kind of pissed at you, Aaron, because now I'm in the mood to watch Kill Bill. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you, Paul. That's okay. Well, I, I don't mind, but you know, they 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 had a couple years back at something called Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair. Yeah, that had uh, Where was, was it everything edited together into one yeah. show? I don't think it's available anymore. I think that was a limited time thing. I don't see it anymore. Um, so huh. yeah, uh, you can only you can only get um, from what I can see. So is that like a one separately? Is that like a five hour watch to watch those two edited together? Yeah. I mean that, that's got to be yeah that's got to be five hours unless they're cutting stuff out. You know I don't know I've never actually seen the whole bloody affair. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, but you know speaking of classics like Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, you know one of the the the, the, the first superhero really um, was the Phantom. You know we I have long talked about my love for these classic pulp characters like the Phantom, the Shadow, uh, those kinds of characters, and. You know, we don't talk about them very much because if there is stuff printed, new comics printed for them, they're they're either international comics. Those characters aren't huge. Well, I should say Phantom specifically is not a, a popular character in the United States. Um, I don't know. He just never he, he was in the 70s, you know, and I think they still what? maybe published the, the comic strip. He was big in comic strips, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I think that was that was really his United States uh, uh, success was was comic strips. But you're right; he's he's never been a a big player on the comic stand. And they keep trying. They they actually have yeah. you know they had, Sci-Fi Channel had a miniseries a few years ago that was surprisingly decent that tried to yeah. modernize the Phantom. Um, just didn't connect with audiences. 
but you know, Fru uh, Publishing, um, Fru Publications still publishes Phantom Comics, or at least is one of the companies, because I know a number of companies actually publish Phantom Comics. Yeah, these rights are kind of sprinkled across, and what they're they're like twenty different Phantoms, right? Yeah, T- twenty different twenty different uh, people who have worn the mantle of the Phantom. Uh, and it's, so it's like the rights are distributed based on who's wearing the mask. <laughs> Almost, right? It, it certainly <laughs> yeah. feels that way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this week we noticed there's a comic called uh, The Phantom uh, Inked in Blood. Uh, it's issue number 1862 from Fru Publications. Um, this is uh, a chronicle of the 20th Phantom. I did not get the impression that this was a current comic. In fact, it, 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 it doesn't say it, when it was originally published, but it certainly feels like it was published at some point in the past. Yeah, it does. Even though it's got, you know, 2020 copyrights all over it, it does. Oh, here we go. Uh, Fru Publications first published The Phantom September 19th. That can't be right. I guess that's when they first... Yeah, because this book is taking place in the 50s. Yeah, I've, I've got to imagine this is, uh, maybe it is a modern comic. Um, yeah. It just feels like... Well, and certainly the, the artistic style lends to that, right? Yeah. The, uh, the, and, you know, there are two different stories in each of these books. One is the Inked and Blood story, and then the, the other one is a serialized story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inked and Blood is, is, you know, parts one and two in books 1862 and 1863. But the backup feature is, you know, has been going on for apparently months and months and months. Uh, so we'll talk about both of those. The Inked and Blood has a very uh, 1950s-esque cartoony style to it that I really respond to. I don't know about you, Paul, but this is a style that I really love. Um, You know, the the book is in total black and white. The only color in this book is on the the cover and back cover. And not grayscale. We mean total black and white, like pencils and inks only. yeah, there is some grayscale, but not a lot of it. Like the first page has got the first first couple of pages have some grayscale. In fact, I'll tell you where it jumps to no grayscale. Mm-hmm. I found I was like, oh, are we in a dreamland? What is this? <laughs> you know, because it really changed the setting. But this style uh, is a style that was very popular in uh, a style of inking. Uh, is very popular in the in the fifties and sixties. In fact, you know, my father who. Uh, uh, trained as an architect was also trained as an illustrator and this is how my father drew and so it, it was very nostalgic for me to to read this because it, it almost felt like i was i was uh looking at my father's uh, uh pen and inks um so that was a lot of fun uh this I, the story is very much a uh a story about you know the scare that we had in the 50s about comic books um yeah. you know that the uh, and I, suddenly I'm drawing a blank on what all that was called. It EC was the uh, it was um, the whole you know during the whole communism thing, um, the Red Scare type uh, stuff. I, I yeah I don't remember there was there's been documentaries about it a plenty, but it was it was really yeah. targeted at EC Comics and horror comics. Um, yeah, and you know th- th- that they were just too violent and inspiring. Uh, you know that the the same acts in in children. Yeah, and we see that it was, now it, even with video games. Yeah, yeah, it was that it was you know it was, it was the 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 uh, scandal that brought forth the you know uh, comics code, right? Yes. You know that that we couldn't have horror comics, that you couldn't have you know sexy comics, that you know all comics needed to be PG or G, right? In terms of ratings, um, you couldn't talk about you know you couldn't talk about drugs. Right. And so this is very much set in that sort of thing. You know, the Phantom is blowing the lid off of uh, crime inside comic books, which I thought was a little inside baseball and kind of cracked me up. I'm also very amused. <laughs> and, you know, I forgot that this was kind of a trope with the Phantom that when the Phantom is, you know, roaming around uh, cities, you know, because usually the Phantom's in the jungle, right? Uh, you know, when Phantom is, is roaming around cities and he's incognito, he's not walking around as a guy incognito. He's walking around in his Phantom outfit with a trench coat and a hat, and no one's going to notice that he's wearing <laughs> <Yeah>. a mask. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, it cracks me up, and it, you know that that trope is used in both stories in the book. 
Um, I really enjoyed it, Paul. Um, I don't know. I struggled with it. I, well, I will tell you that, that particularly part two of inked and blood, uh, I, I was very charmed by the first, by the first part of inked and blood, but it was the second part of inked and blood where I felt like it had gone on a bit long and that it could probably have been one issue. Uh, but I, I did. I, I was very charmed, particularly, like I said, by the illustration because it was so reminiscent of the way my father draws or drew. Uh, but I got to tell you, the thing that I, I really feel like they they buried the lead because the the second story, you know, in the book Heart of Darkness, which is part seven and uh, part seven, part one, and I guess part seven, part two. Yeah. Um, is really the star of the show. And it's definitely more the Phantom. And it's same trope with the... Well, actually, he doesn't... What's interesting is he's not wearing... He's still wearing the hat and, um, you know, glasses, but he's not wearing the Phantom costume. So it's just, you know, the drawing's a little different. Right. Um, but definitely more of the Phantom that I'm used to is in the second mm-hmm. story. There's not so much, hey, lady, my wife is going shopping... I'll walk your dog for you because uh-huh. I have nothing better to do. I'm like, oh my god, just get to the fucking point. Well, um, and, I mean, and, and the cringeworthy last page of part two was <laughs> where the Phantom has to take his wife shopping, mm-hmm. and you know, the the wife is, you know, his wife is rather, you know, two dimensional, and all she's interested in is shopping and talking about things that the Phantom isn't interested in, which, right? Which is what made me feel like it was published in a different time. Because it's I, I, rather chauvinistic. <laughs> it is, but I, I felt like that was intentional in the writing. Uh, I possibly. felt like they were they were trying to peg this is the way things were in the 1950s. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, uh, and I you know I don't think they did it particularly effectively. And again, I was just really charmed by the, by the illustration. Yeah. Now that being said, with this Phantom book, um, so I, I, while we were talking, I looked online. The Hermes Press Phantom is still out there. That's the one written by Peter David. Um, that we we t- we talked about the first issue. I don't recall what we thought of it. Uh, I'm going to go back and revisit it, especially now that I'm in a Phantom mood, um, and and see if since Peter David wrote it. We, I, I noticed I never bought issues three, four, and five. <laughs> um, so that may be indicative of how I felt about the book, but I'm going to give it a, a read anyway. Um, but this, the Fru Publishing is, um, they have from 1801 through 1863 available on Comixology, all relatively inexpensive, like two bucks an issue. Um, but what I found interesting is what's not available. Well, one, the Fru comics change um, creative teams every couple of issues. So the creative team on Inked and Blood is not the creative team that's going to be on issue 1864. But what's not available is any of the Dynamite stuff. Hmm. You know, Dynamite had the rights to the Phantom for a few years. They they did the last Phantom. They did. Oh, is there um, stuff not out there anymore? It's not out there anymore. Oh wow. Um, you know, I think that's that's kind of interesting. And you know, they yeah. had that. Uh, I don't remember the name of the book, but it was. Um, remember Jeff Parker and. Yeah. Doc Shaner did that Flash Gordon book, right? And then didn't they have yep. like a crossover that was basically Defenders of the Earth um, yep. revamped? I don't see any of that there either. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, Dynamite, when Dynamite lost the rights, those books just... Uh, and that happens where the where the character, when they lose the publishing rights to it, those stories follow whoever picks up those rights. Yeah. So like you'll see, you know, IDW's got uh, the Star Trek comics, right? You know the current mm-hmm. Star Trek comics, and so they you will see you know stuff that was published by DC and Marvel and others are now there at IDW. That content has followed. King's Cross, um, or the you know yeah. was was the uh, the the Flash Gordon. I will say what sucks is I was still reading comics um, in paper then, so I mm-hmm. only have the first issue of that Flash Gordon book, and I don't oh, wow. have it digitally. And that story was fantastic. Yeah, dang. Well, King's I'm sure it'll show the other up. One. Yeah, I'm sure it'll show up somewhere. But I got to tell you, I, what did you think about the Heart of Darkness story? I mean, I know we only got you know small parts of a rather a larger story, but I got a big kick out of that. I I, I love the the uh, uh, you know conspiracy theories that are being you know flown about uh, by uh, you know around biblical stuff, which seems you know kind of timely because we're in the middle of Holy Week as we record this. Uh, I, I I thought it was interesting. I did too. I thought it was, um, like I said, a much more of the classic uh, 
you know, Phantom that I'm used to. You know, you get to see him in costume in that yeah. one, you know, uh, pretty pretty soon into the story. So I enjoyed it a lot more. It, it definitely, like I said, it, it, the, while the first story brought back your nostalgia, the second story was more my nostalgia yeah. in, in reading these stories growing up because my dad loved the Phantom. You know, he yeah. had the, the, you know, he, he was a big fan of Lee Falk. Um, and just, you know, we, we, he still has a lot of Phantom stuff uh, in the house. And so, you know, that that's how I remember the Phantom growing up. So I enjoyed yeah. it. It's great. Yeah, I thought I, I, I did not begrudge buying these books this week. Um, I, uh, I, I, I rather enjoyed it, you know, and I, I think that is sort of the opportunity we're in right now uh, with new comics not coming out that gives you an opportunity to explore some things that you might not have otherwise explored. And, you know, I think it's important to say that while DC, Marvel, IDW, Dark Horse and Image aren't producing new comics, independent publishers are. And those are available digitally. And so that's a big opportunity right now, you know, to break out and try something new. And these were both new comics. Each was a buck ninety nine. So I you know, I, I also value for your money. Yeah. And you know, that first that first Phantom book was like thirty six pages long. Yeah, they're not short. Yeah. So anyway, I you know, I, I wouldn't call it a big thumbs up, but I do feel like it was it was money well spent. And, you know, these weren't ten minute reads. There was a lot going on mm-hmm. on each of the panels and books and you know, I felt like it occupied my time well. Well, and I'll tell you while we talked, I I re downloaded King's Watch because I uh-huh. I have the King's Watch books digitally. Um, right. and you know, like I said, the Peter David Phantom song, and uh, you know, I might, I might go on a, a Phantom Flash Gordon kick this week in my reading. Well, we'll you look know, at you. We, we may talk a little bit about some of that next week. Um, but we do have one more book that we checked out. Um, now, unfortunately, this one is definitely going to it is on pause right now. Uh, but two issues came out before uh, the before comics kind of got put on hold. Um, so this is from Hill House comics which is the joe hill imprint of dc comics um plunge uh it's one that i picked up when it first came out never got around to reading it um but the reason i picked it up uh you know i find these hill house comics very uneven uh some are good some are rather terrible um you know regardless any of them that i've picked up i haven't stuck with um whether it was the basket full of heads or whatever um, but the reason I picked up Plunge specifically was, wasn't the Joe Hill aspect of it. It was the Stuart Amonin on art um, yeah. aspect of it. Because Stuart Amonin is one of my favorite comic artists. And I haven't really seen much of his stuff lately. I know he has done stuff. It's just not stuff that I've necessarily picked up. Um, so Plunge, issues one and two. DC Black Label, Joe Hill, Hill House Comics uh, came out. Aaron, you picked up issue one. I did. I'm curious to hear what you thought. I love this book, Paul. Wasn't I thought this book was great. It's, it was this so good book I was fantastic. Issue I, I actually picked yeah, up issue two. <laughs> I have. I, I meant to grab it this morning when I was buying my X Men books. In fact, that was the reason why I went out there. But when I saw those X Men books, I got excited. So <laughs> I'll have to go back and grab it. Um, this book was fantastic. Number one, you cannot beat the Stuart Amonin artwork, and uh, the colors are fantastic. And I think Dave Stewart did the did the colors yeah. on this book. Um, and one you know, thing I'll it say, opens... and I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just want, you know, I'm used to seeing Stuart Amonin with Wade Von Grawbadger right. as his inker, um, but I think he does his own inking in this, and like, like we said, the colors by Dave Stewart. It is a very different art style than I'm used to mm-hmm. seeing from Stuart Amonin, because I'm used to seeing his superhero stuff. He does right. great with the mood of the story. Yeah. A lot, a lot of sense of of a just a, a moody, ethereal sort of atmosphere mm-hmm. where it's appropriate. Um the the second page of the book took my breath away. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, the the second page of the book has just got a guy and his dog playing out um, on uh, uh, Atu Island, you know, out there off of uh, Massacre Bay, <laughs> and he goes over the hill, and there are all these giant squid that have just washed up on shore. I mean, and it, it is it, it shows you the enormity of these creatures you know, versus the tiny little man and his dog. Mm -hmm. And then is followed up by a terrible page. And when I say terrible, I'm talking about what the story is telling versus uh, the quality of the, of the, of the storytelling Mm -hmm. because the storytelling is fantastic, both visually and uh, narratively. Uh, 
you know, a, a tsunami hits and, you know, we, we, lo- we appear to lose both of these characters that we just got introduced to. Mm-hmm. Um, this book surprises me throughout. And I think that a lot of that is Stuart Amonin's ability to tell a story without words. Um, you know, Stuart Amonin has, has, you know, really mastered the camera view of a comic book panel and really how to form the entire, you know, sort of, of story page by page. You know, Stuart Amonin's been at this a while and he knows what he's doing and he is he is a master at his game and he is he is firing on all cylinders in this book. I I've, I think I love every single panel on every single page. He's telling some rather, you know, sharing some rather complex elements that we're seeing in in, you know, an aquarium about what some of the uh the aquatic creatures are doing and responding. Uh, but you know, the story is about, uh, a, you know, there's this big tsunami. So it stirs up everything out there off of, uh, the, the, uh, you know, Russian coast and a ship, the Derleth, uh, you know, and that name shouldn't, shouldn't cause anyone to be concerned or suggest that, uh, something terrible is coming. So, you know, don't apply any meaning purely coincidental, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Darleth was a, uh, writer of Cthulhu fiction back in the day. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't be concerned about that at all. Um, but a, a ship that went missing over 40 years ago is suddenly washed up and it's SOS beacon is on. And so a recovery crew that even inside the book is comparing itself to the crew of Jaws, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, to the cast of Jaws out there on the boat hunting the shark uh, is all formed up. And I, I think this book does a great job in the first issue of really sort of setting the stage for what's going to come. Uh, I, I, I think I think it did a really effective job of introducing characters, introducing conflict, really having you ask some questions about what's going on, mm-hmm. and then ends on a super chilling note at the end of the book. I loved this book from beginning to end. Well, and one of the things I want to specifically reference that you said is about the characters. Yeah. You know, what I think is most effective about this book and most effective about Stuart Amonin's art is that all the characters are distinct. And right. I will say, you know, one of the books we, we, we've enjoyed uh, in recent times is Undiscovered Country um, from Scott Snyder, uh, Charles Sewell, and um, I don't remember the artist's name, and I feel like I should, uh, you know, uh, Giuseppe Kimunkali. Um, mm-hmm. Great book, but I find so many of the characters are are indistinguishable or not memorable to me. So when things happen to characters, I'm like, who was that? Like, like I don't, right. I don't, I don't have right. any. There's no gravitas behind them because either there's so many characters, or they're not drawn distinctly enough, or you know, there's just not enough there for me to grasp onto. In the first issue, I knew who all the characters were. Yeah, um, I think you know they kept the crew tight. I think there's about five or six of them, um, yep. and they all have distinct personalities. They all have distinct looks. Um, you know, either facial hair or hair them or or skin color or actual hair that they mm-hmm. all have distinct looks. So I know who all the characters are. They're not all dressed alike. Um, so I thought that was extremely effective. And it remind you know, if reading this book, and I'll say issue two is just as good as issue one because I went and bought mm-hmm. issue two after reading issue one. It's just as good as issue one. Um, it feels very much like like a you know like a, a movie. You know, I don't. I don't yeah. know the length of the series. It it doesn't say on the cover. You know how many issues it is, or or whatever. It may be a six issue. It may be a twelve issue. Who knows? It may be longer than that. Um, it it feels like it, it's more of like a six to you know twelve issue series. It feels like a movie to me. It feels yeah. you know the the pacing of it feels like I'm watching the first you know or, um you know, first chapter of the thing or, you know, something like that or, or Jaws. Like you, you, you're, you're getting that, that movie sensibility from it. And, um, you know, we, we've always talked about how it's hard to sell horror in comics. And while I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, this has any jump scares, it definitely has the nice sense of, has not the nice, but it definitely has a sense of foreboding, um, and mood that is extremely effective in both issues. It's not like it loses it after issue one. Yeah, I, I I really dug it, uh, and, and I want to go back and correct something that I said because I, I know we've got some uh, Cthulhu fans who will you know uh, want to correct me. Uh, 
uh, August Derleth, uh, August William Derleth, was an American writer and anthropologist, and he is uh, most famously known for being a friend and correspondent with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Uh, and you know he uh, he made contributions uh, to the Cthulhu Mythos, and I'm reading just directly from Wikipedia. He made contributions to the uh, Cthulhu Mythos and the cosmic horror genre, as well as founding uh, the of the publisher of Arkham House. So. Anyway, right. I, nothing. You shouldn't. You shouldn't read anything into the Darleth uh, missing <laughs> ship. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's no connection there at all. I think that when we get onto the ship, we're going to find puppies and flowers, all healthy and happy. Puppies <laughs> and flowers. Well, uh, you know, I look forward to Plunge coming back when uh, when things uh, settle down or are figured out in comic distribution. Now, next week on this show you know we, we you know we we don't necessarily have our plan just yet but uh you know definitely reach out to us on social media iom geek on facebook instagram and twitter give a shout out to your comic book shop um you know and what they're doing we'll we'll start the show talking about that we also have the hotline where you can reach out to us Oh, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. Well, and before that, before our next Funny Books uh, proper, we will actually be talking with, you know, a legendary friend of Funny Books, and that's not why he's a legend. If anything, that hurts his reputation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Ron Mars. Ron Mars, one of my favorite comic writers. You know, the the author of such great arcs as on Witchblade, Artifacts, um, Silver Surfer. Uh, just just a, a really great Shinku. Remember Shinku? Uh, I, I miss Shinku, and I, I in fact, I, I plan to talk to him about that uh, <laughs> if we chat with him. But, you know, he's also uh, a you know, famed Green Lantern writer. You yes, know. Uh, he's the uh, guy who brought you Kyle Rayner. That's correct. So, you know, he, who who is my lantern, as he, as he is also uh, uh, Wayne's. So, you know, Wayne and I, we share a lantern. <laughs> but, <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to talk to him about all that. But in addition Plus, to that... Yeah, uh, he is heading up the uh, Kickstarter for Jim Starlin's return to all new issues of Dreadstar. The Kickstarter will be launching, I believe, on the 14th of this month. So, yeah, uh, it'll uh, be launching on Tuesday, which yeah. I think is is the 14th, so I, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to correct you. Um, so we will try to, you know, we're talking to him Monday. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, release the, the episode along with the Kickstarter. Um, yep. So Tuesday, not only will we have the Dreadstar Returns Kickstarter, there will also be the Dreadstar Guidebook as yep. part of the Kickstarter. So uh, you know, Jim Starlin, at least on the covers, some some new Jim Starlin art. Um, I'm super excited. I will tell you one of the things that that sucks. You know, in addition to all the death and 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 stuff about about the uh, uh, the the, the COVIDs <laughs> about the Rona. Is uh-huh. um, you know, Awesome Con in Washington D.C. was scheduled for, I believe, early May, maybe mid-May, um, and I, I, I had, oh, it, it has been moved to December 11th to 13th, which I will tell you is my birthday weekend. Look at you. Um, but uh, which I, I, I'm looking at the website right now. I had not realized that at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center, so I will definitely be attending that. One of the reasons I was most excited to attend that is to meet Ron Mars in person. However, with Ron Mars, there was Mr. Ron Lim also Ooh. in attendance. My One Ooh. of my favorite, favorite comic artists of all time. He joined Ron Mars on a very, uh, on for me, um, one of my favorite Silver Surfer arcs of all time. And, and the Silver Surfer arc that started the whole Infinity Gauntlet, you know, uh, stuff. So... I, I'm very, very excited to uh, to see if they are going to be part of the new guest list in December. Very exciting. Well, uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you. So, you know, please remember, give us a shout. Tell us what you're doing to uh, support your comic book habit during this uh, th- this trying time, or it, what you're doing to uh, you know salve that need. What have you moved on to? So, give us a call. Shout out us on social media, and we will chat with you next week. And remember, you get two shows next week. You get uh, you get our funny book show, the one you're listening to right now. Plus, you also get the Ron Mars interview. Very exciting stuff. Actually. I'm going to say something before you wrap up. 
Oh. <laughs> a, a public service <laughs> announcement. Oh. You know, in these times that we're in, people are starved for entertainment. I see, you know, my girlfriend, Jen, you know, she's listening to podcasts when she goes out for runs or listening to them at work. Um, you know, so for our listeners, you know, the, the loyal listeners who have stuck with us throughout all this time, I think we're going to ask a favor. I would actually ask if you would share a link to this latest episode or our last episode or whatever your favorite episode of Funny Books is on your social media. You know, share it out there. Get the word out on your favorite comic podcast to those fans that to those folks, you know, are starred for comic book entertainment so that they can shout out their favorite comic bookstore. And, uh, you know, they can lend some of their thoughts on what we're talking about, because we love hearing from you and we would love to hear from others as well in this time. Let's spread the comic love and the comic community so that, uh, you know, we can support our hobby and, you know, keep it alive in these times. Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. Yeah, tell them to skip the last 30 seconds of the show or so. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.